from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. All right, we'll get rolling. You ready to, ready to go? Ready to go. Let's do it. All right. Catherine Wells on the RiderFlex podcast. How you doing, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know, it's been a crappy ass year but the holidays are here and i'm feeling i'm trying to feel optimistic i'm trying to stay optimistic <laughs> yeah i think there's some things to be optimistic about we're seeing hope in the vaccine yeah. we're seeing some opportunities some things that could be opening up and my hope really is that businesses that have made it this far keep mm-hmm. going however they can whatever we can do to support businesses because if they can just get through this last bit i think they'll be all right Mm, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, small business owners, especially in certain sectors, oh my gosh, they've really been through some, some, some tough times and I feel bad for all of them. And uh, I'm wishing everybody the best. Yeah. I would just encourage everybody to just keep pushing forward. Just keep, just keep going, just keep going, just keep hustling. Yeah. Dig dig deep, go as much as you can. I live downtown Denver. And so I see the boarded up shops. I see the people going out of business and it's so sad they've been in business for years and they they just can't quite get through. So I'm I'm pushing for them. I'm I'm pulling for them. I'm doing all the things for them. <laughs> Anything me too. We, yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. We're recording this by the way on December 8th, 2020 for the listeners in case you're listening to this a year from now. Uh, you know we're still still dealing with COVID right now and that's what we're talking about and small how small business has been affected. Um, before we get into your business, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about Catherine personally? Give us some, give us some family personal history. Go ahead. Uh oh, uh oh, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> give it to us. <laughs> uh, I'm a Colorado native. I'm one of the few. And All right. I love it. Uh, my my parents came here from California um, by way of New York, and they moved to Colorado Springs. My dad worked for a government um, contractor. It was at the time called Command Sciences. It's now ITT and pretty well known. Uh, But at the time it was a small company called Command Sciences. And who would have thought he would be working on a Navy project in the middle of landlocked Colorado Springs, Colorado. Very interesting. Um, I was the only child born here. So I'm the only one that can claim native status. And I grew up there and I moved to LA uh, because everybody has to get out of where they were born and raised. Okay. Oh my gosh, I never want to see snow for the rest of my life. So I moved to LA. Mm -hmm. You you moved to LA after college or before? After college. college. Yeah. Followed a boy. Yeah. You know, typical story. Followed a boy. (laughs) (laughs) We lived there for five years. It's uh, it didn't suit me. I'm a I'm a mountain girl. I'm a Colorado girl at heart. Came back, really missed the the change of seasons, um, and came back here. and And things were picking up in the economy at the time. It was early '90s, and things were starting to pick up in the economy here. And I I started with a company, um, a very small company in Colorado Springs, a startup, and I fell in love with startups absolutely fell in love with the idea of having multiple hats and and doing lots of 
um, lots of things and making an impact. And, and uh, people used to say it's, do you wanna be a, a small fish in a big pond or do you wanna be a big fish in a small pond? So I think I sort of found at least early in my career, I liked being a big fish in a small pond. My brothers would say I'm bossy. That's what they would say. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So you had a couple of brothers. I have three older brothers. I'm the youngest. Mm. And um, yes, I was well protected by them. I was also abused by them, not <laughs> literally. And, and I don't, I say that lightly because I, I don't want people to think I was actually abused. It's a very serious thing. Um, they right. they uh, used to pull my hair, <laughs> pick me up yep. by my piggy tails, you know, tell me I had to leave uh, when their friends came over, things like that. Did you know that you wanted to be a marketing executive? I mean, you majored, I, th I think you got your first bachelor's in, in business and marketing, right? So did you know you wanted to be a marketing executive? So the dirty little secret is uh, for me in college, I really was getting the easiest degree I could. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to get through college. Um, I had a love for learning, but I have an innate love for learning. So I learn whether I'm going to school and it's structured or not. I see. So for me, it was really just a degree. I was also kind of reeling from early family life. We had uh, my oldest brother lives with schizophrenia and, you know, growing up with that in the seventies was really hard because mm. people didn't understand mental illness. They, they, um, you know, we had some people who ostracized our family. Mm. I lost some friends. Um, people looked at us weird. And so I've really always been a big proponent of um, dealing with mental illness head on. And my brother is one of the most amazing people I know on this planet. He's mm, very mm. functional. He's worked really, really hard. My parents did an amazing job mm. um, supporting him through that. So as I went to college, I was kind of uh, getting out of that and not really knowing what had happened and just sort of um, going through life and trying to get my degree and, and get, get my life on the road. That's really all I could see, very tunnel vision get my life on the road. <laughs> when you came back to Colorado, then you worked for a few different companies in, in, in a marketing role, right? I did. Um, as you were doing that and you were moving through your career, we don't have to go over each one of them, but I, uh, did you always, were you always thinking, I want to start my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. Was that in the background? How was that affecting you? I think I did it by being sort of second in command at most companies. Okay. So I, I don't know that I had the innate drive at that time to start my own business, okay. but I did have a desire to be, to create. I'm okay. a creator. I, I love to create. So my, one of my superpowers, one, one of probably three or four of my superpowers is to build and grow something. And that's okay. where I fell in love with marketing okay. because I can come in and build a marketing structure infrastructure a team content and make it sing mm -hmm. and and that's really where i excel is building and growing and so i applied that on in the marketing area i'm also a complete gadget girl i love gadgets i'm okay. an early adopter of just about anything and everything and always have been i had an apple uh, commodore 64 <laughs> when I was in 10th grade <laughs> and I used to write code at, um, believe it or not, at Kmart, they had Commodore 64s for sale on the counter back where they had the electronic section. And 
you could, of course they were locked down, but you could actually write programs on the Commodore 64 standing there in the middle of Kmart. I, I think I, I, think I kind of remember that. I think I yeah. kind of remember that. Yeah, so I would go and I would write little programs and, and let it sort of run until somebody else came along and wrote a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I kind of remember that back in the day because we're we're very similar age. We graduated college right around the same time. So yeah, I think I remember that. Okay, very, very cool. All right. So kind of gadgety, creative, marketing degree. You're moving along. You're living in Colorado. Did you have did you have did you get did you marry the boy from California? Did you have family? what's this what's the personal story? I did. I did briefly. Uh, okay. <laughs> that didn't last. Okay. Um, and then, and then I got married to someone that I just adored, and um, and we had a wonderful relationship for eight years. Awesome. We had a baby together. Oh, okay. So, you have, so you have one child. I have one child. Grown. Um, yeah. Now twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, 24, that's the age where they actually start coming back around and asking for advice finally, right? Is that? Yeah, similar? yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. So my child is transgender. Um, okay, okay. So after that marriage, I married a, a man who has three children. Okay. And Whoa, one oh, you two. signed up for, you signed up to be a stepmom then. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, and one of his is also transgender. So we have of the four children and um, I say this with so much love and affection because I love them all so much. Um, and I'll tell you a, a quick story in just a moment. We have okay. the full rainbow family. So out okay. of four kids, we have two transgenders, both going opposite directions. Um, we have one lesbian and one straight as a board who's like, how do I get in this family? <laughs> <laughs> and they all love each other and it's beautiful and they, I couldn't have picked a better family. I bet those makes I bet that makes for some interesting Thanksgiving dinner conversations and stuff like that, yeah. huh? It's really just life. It's like I That's had great. to go. It really um, when my son came out, I it shattered my world. And oh, really? I will not say it was easy. Um, it shattered my world in the best possible way because mm -hmm. it shattered all these beliefs that I had from the media mm. and from social constructs that I had to really dig deep and go, you know. This is not this is not what life is about, and um, I love my child no matter what. And as a mom, you have to grieve the loss of the child you gave birth to. So I gave birth to a little girl, and I had all these ideas for my little girl growing up, who was really a mini me. And everybody said, "Oh, that's a mini Kathy. That's a mini Kathy." Um, and then I so I had to grieve that loss while I was welcoming in my son, and now. Mm. I'm just so grateful that I had that experience because mm. I have no judgments. I have nothing but love and acceptance for anyone and everyone. And the one piece of advice I got that really, I was just at a place where I was ready to hear it, I think, okay. was actually from um, um, someone who came to a, a PFLAG meeting because that's what I was doing to try to understand and grapple with what does this mean? How do I deal with this? How do mm -hmm. I help my son mm -hmm. and support him? And it was a 21 year old who didn't identify as male or female. And they came in and they said, we, we, as the adults, we said, you know, what advice would you like to give us? And they said, I really can't wait for the, this just not to be a topic of conversation anymore. That's mm. what I really want. Mm. I just went, yeah, who wants someone talking about them all the time? If someone yeah, was talking right? about me, like, oh, she's a girl, she's such <laughs> a girl. Can you believe that? Like, 
we don't do that. Interesting. So, Interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Great point. Yeah. So great point. So so four children all together, three, three stepchildren, one, one of your own. Okay. Mm -hmm. All yeah. grown. All grown. All grown. Uh, the last, the youngest one is just about to turn 21. Okay. Three of them are out of the house. The last oh. one is still with us for a little bit. So they still got, good. still got one in the house. Okay. It was, yeah. By the way, I think it's really fun when you become empty nesters all together because it's, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It's just, seriously. <laughs> uh, we were, I was affected by it emotionally at first. I was kind of, I went through, I don't know, six months or whatever it was kind of weird and yeah. kind of, we were trying to kind of find ourselves a little bit. My wife and I trying to kind of like, okay, what do we do now? Kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but after a while you get in, you get into a really nice empty nester groove where you're just, you're focused on yourselves as a couple rather than, you know, your whole life being about the kids. And, uh, I, now I love it. <laughs> yeah, Steve, this is really interesting. Cause my husband and I were just saying to each other, how cool is it that we still really, really like each other? Yeah. Yeah. That's key. Other, yeah. That's we key. Still really like each other and enjoy time together. And, you know, when you're raising kids, there's plenty of times when that is not the case. <laughs> well, yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and besides the besides the time, the, the emotional time with your spouse, the fact that you're spending money on you guys and not spending a lot of money on the kids, that's also really cool. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A little bit of freedom. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you're going through your career, you're raising family. Um, Tell me what happened. Walk us, walk us into Serenity, Serenity app, by the way, and for the listeners right now, uh, and we'll have Catherine give a nice overview, but serenityapp.com. Walk <laughs> us into kind of how it happened. Go for it. So it, it kind of happened before it happened. Okay. And by that, I mean, I'm the man uh, that I am married to right now, who's a wonderful, amazing man, um, is a serial entrepreneur. Okay. So he has had... At that time, he had had seven companies that he had started and three exits. And wow. I had no idea what it meant to be with a true entrepreneur. Mm. I was like, oh, really? That's interesting. Well, that's really <laughs> cool. Not thinking anything of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, about a year into our relationship, uh, well, I guess two years because we were getting married at the time, I, I said, you know, I need to start a blog called The Entrepreneur's Wife because this is like foreign land. This is alien. Right. This is like someone who will risk everything to build a business and, and do a startup. And mm -hmm. I'm not that person. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I am now, but, but still not. I'm still very judicious right. about how I do things. Whereas he would, you know, cash out our 401k in a heartbeat. <laughs> 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 and that's just the difference in, in our style. Um, right. So it kind of started planting the seed that I could do something I see. And that I had someone with me that I could learn from that I could men that could be my mentor. So shortly after that, shortly after we got married, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And mm. in that process, we began the senior care journey and uh, we being our whole family. And so I talk about that in the sense that it was all of my brothers. It was me. It was my dad. And it was my mom who's affected. And so we start to talk as a family about what do we do? Mom didn't want to face the fact that she had Alzheimer's. We had to take her keys away. It was the worst day of, I think, my brother's life. Mm. Um, and 
uh, you know, my dad fortunately had done all the prep work and prepared everything. Everything was pre-planned. So their money, everything was pre-planned. I was power of attorney along with one of my brothers. Okay. And so as, as she got worse and we had to move her into senior care, I'm looking around going, this is really, really hard on family because we move someone into memory care thinking that everything is going to be handled, but it's mm. not. It's mm. really the myth about senior living is that it's really like moving someone into an apartment and there's 24-7 help there in case something happens and there's someone who will give them meds and make sure they get um, fed and have activities at their disposal. But they don't do the medical side. So if there's diabetes, if there's uh, physical therapy needs, you have to bring in outside providers, home yeah, health. Gotcha. Is one of it. And right. you bring these people in and they're another layer on top. And then you have a rounding doctor. So you have a doctor who comes in and rounds. So you don't have to take mom out because it's really hard on them to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually you might have hospice come in. So you have all these different people coming in, providing care. And as the family member, you're the one left putting the pieces together because they don't talk to each other and they hardly talk to you. Gotcha. So I, that's when Serenity was born. Um, and I'll tell you the very moment I said, forget it, I'm done. This is the straw that's breaking the camel's back. Okay. My mom always had really short hair in life. And uh, I called to try to get her hair cut and I couldn't get an appointment. They have an on-site salon. <laughs> and as silly as this sounds, we finally got her an appointment. I show up on the weekend because of course, you know, I have kids at home, I have a demanding job. Um, I can't be there during the week. So mm -hmm. I show up on Saturday, her hair isn't cut. Mm -hmm. And I said, what happened? Wait, can, why didn't someone at least call and tell me? And what had happened is they took her up to the salon multiple times, but she has Alzheimer's. They took her during sundowning time and she was combative. So she was like batting them away and it's just part of the disease. Um, but, but no one ever, ever called to say, Kath, we can't get your mom in. And her hair was the one thing that made her feel good. Mm -hmm. So I just said, this is crazy. Why as a family member, can't I message somebody? <laughs> Why can't I schedule her hair appointment online? Why do I have to call Tuesday or Thursday between nine and 3 p.m.? And, you know, like, it's just crazy. So that's when I said, this is nuts. I want to know what's going on with my mom. And I just need little updates. I'm not a um, high yeah. maintenance family right. member. Yeah, just updates. Yeah. Updates. That's yep. all. So I created Serenity, and Serenity is a HIPAA compliant messaging app. Okay. And uh, for those of you in the tech world, the senior care world is unfamiliar uh, for the most part with Slack and the concept of Slack. Serenity yep. is very similar to Slack. It's written specifically for the domain of senior care, which is highly regulated, very different than the business world. Okay. Um, Slack is not applicable in that world, but the concepts of bringing everyone together from disparate teams to communicate and collaborate are. I see. And so that's what we do at Serenity. Now, you're not a coder. You're not a software developer. So how, you had this idea. Talk to me. How did you put all that together? Did you team up with somebody? Did you did you spend some money on outside developers? How did you get that built? 
Excellent question. I'm lucky enough to be married to a serial entrepreneur who is also a an engineer, a very oh. talented engineer. Okay. He wrote the code for his first three companies. He, I got he you. Like that guy from Hewlett Packard who sat in the garage and or in the basement or whatever and and wrote the code. So very nice. Well, hand, handy to be married to a software engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt at all. So when I first came home with this idea after seeing my mom, and we also had to move my dad into assisted living. Um, at the same, were, at the, or short, shortly after, like 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 months after, six months after, yeah. what was the timeline there? Yeah, it was about, it was about a year after, but he tried really hard to live on his own, and he just couldn't. And it was after four ER visits that I said to him, I, I can't do this. I can't yeah. keep driving down to Colorado Springs yeah, every yeah. time I get an emergency call. Um, what, what was, was he still married to your, when your mom went in? Were they yeah. still married? Yeah. Oh, so they, they had, been, I see. They had been married yeah. for how long, how long? Oh, 60 years when they passed. So they both passed last year. I see. Um, my mom was just shy of turning 80, like by days, I think. Uh, maybe a month, maybe two weeks. Um, and then my dad died six months to the day after, and he had wow. just turned 80. So they're both 80 and they were married for 60 years. Both and, 80, married for 60 years, both died in the same year and, and, and went into facilities within 12 months of each other. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's really common. And here's what happens. And I just spoke with a friend uh, a couple of days ago about this, who's on the early journey. Mom- okay got really sick and had to get moved into senior care. And suddenly they're realizing that dad's not doing well either. This happens all the time. All the time, yeah. You don't see it when mom's home because mom protects him. Mom takes gotcha. care of everything, right? Mom's not there. There's no layer. Now you're starting to see that dad actually might have dementia or Parkinson's or some other mm -hmm. physical issues. Is yeah. it also, is it also because once they lose their partner, the, 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 drive to want to kind of stay healthy and move forward starts to dwindle because now they're by themselves is that part of it too i think i think there's definitely some of that yeah mm -hmm. definitely some of that. Oh, my that... dad started to lean on me a lot after we moved mom into senior living mm. because he had always had her oh and... I, yeah i can't even i can't even imagine so and he was and plus he's super old school right so he was born what year was he born probably in the 30 35 or something like that 1939 and 30, yeah. yeah 39 so he was one of those guys where that was a traditional super old school home where yeah. i mean she probably she probably did everything right you know around the, the house cleaning the shopping the laundry the, yeah yes. yeah yeah <laughs> i mean when she couldn't do that anymore he probably was just like what the hell like i, I don't know if i could yeah i mean yeah okay the day it hit home for him is the day that she cooked a waffle and then put it in the blender and that's when, and that's when did he, you guys, I'm sure you guys were having conversations. He was probably calling the kids saying, Hey, we got yeah, problems. Yeah, that's super right. tough. Ah. Okay. So, so I didn't mean to get off track there. You, you come home with this idea. Your husband helps you formulate it a little <laughs> bit. You, and then he, he does the coding. Um, well, so he, what he did is he said, all right, um, it sounds interesting, but let's build a prototype and see, go out yeah. and try to sell the prototype because this yep. is lean startup, right? So yep. this is yep. what you do. So he built a prototype. I went out and sold it. And he was like, what? <laughs> you sold it? Really? <laughs> okay. 
there's something here. Okay, now let's take the next step. And so we really followed uh, lean startup, the lean startup process pretty closely. Okay. Um, and we, you know, slow played it, got some customers, got our learnings, got another customer, got some learnings, continued to build the software. And then in, in April of this year, we raised our first round. All right. Round from angel investors, people in the industry and a micro VC uh, in the Denver area, Cocopelli. Huge shout out to the Cocopelli guys. They Very are nice. unbelievable if you're looking to raise from micro VCs. I encourage you to, to share your deck with them. They're, they're just incredible. They've been such a good support to us. Um, and we're looking, we're raising awesome. our second round right now and they've been hugely helpful. Congratulations. And now how long have you been in business for what? Almost three years? Um, actually closer to like a year and a half, but you okay. know, the idea started much, much earlier. So, <laughs> so from your first, from your first quote, sell, when you talk to the first, and by the way, you're, when you say a sell, you're selling it to a facility, you're selling, who you sell, who's your target customer? How, go ahead. Yeah. Senior care providers. So oh, there's okay. a lot amount. our target, our beachhead segments, our fast moving waters, our senior living communities that okay. have assisted living and memory care specifically independent living is less interesting right now only because um our sweet spot is when you can't trust mom or dad's self-report anymore okay so, for example i call my dad in assisted living how you doing dad and he didn't have dementia um how you doing dad I fine he's, dad. he's like i'm doing Oh, well, actually what I would get is they haven't fed me in days. Oh, I, I see. And shower. Nobody's been to visit me in months and it's all lies. And it's, and he doesn't intend to lie, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. feeling sad and lonely. And, yeah. um, and you know, that's his truth. But when you can't rely on that now, imagine my brother in Wisconsin calling me, getting that report, he goes ballistic. Mm -hmm. He's on the phone with me. What's going on down there, Kathy? What's, he calls the facility, what's going on? And this happens every day, all day in senior living. So, mm -hmm. so um, that, yeah. Yeah. So that's what we solve is having access to short little updates. Um, and, and when that, that's your, you explained your target customers. So do they, um, do they pay you for, what's the business model? Walk me through the business model. Go ahead. Perfect. So the senior living community buys the software and they deploy it to the family members. So they use it for internal staff communication. I and see. they also, when somebody moves in, they say, here's a tool that we use. If you'd like to communicate with us electronically, like this is like a text messaging where mm. you can access our care team. Mm. You'll get photos of your mom, you'll get videos, um, you'll get updates, you can ask us questions. It's a two-way communication. And we will also have broadcast channels where we'll, we'll share with you our COVID updates, um, mm -hmm. you know, any activities that are coming up, new announcements about, about the community. So it's a great marketing tool for the communities. And are they paying you, are they paying you per user or, or how does that work? Okay. They pay us per resident. Per resident. I, yeah. Per resident that signs up or per resident? Uh, per resident that signs up. So I see. Yep. So if they, if they have, you know, if they have, let's say a hundred in a hundred beds is what they call them in senior living. They mm -hmm. have a hundred beds, a hundred mm -hmm. available beds. 
Okay. And and 80 of them want serenity, then they're just paying us for 80 of those. A month to month, they sign up for a full year. Yeah, they could sign up for a full year. There's discounts for that. So and we definitely work out uh, enterprise deals. Okay. Because, you know, if you have 2,500 beds and we have clients like that, um, you know, we want to make it easy for you to deploy because the, the real bottom line here is it's all about the older adult and their well-being. It is 100% about that. And my hypothesis is that when you bring the family in and you create a cohesive team working mm. around that older adult, mm. you improve their well-being, you give family peace of mind, reduced anxiety, you improve operational efficiency inside your organization, and you um, increase your the job satisfaction for your care staff. And that's a huge problem in senior living and senior care all around. They cannot keep staff right now. There's not enough caregivers. Really? Yeah. I see, I see. So you're making it easier on everybody and improving the quality of their life overall yeah. for, a, for a small software fee that is month to month and they can try it out and they don't, they don't have to sign up for two years or anything, anything crazy. They can try it and see how it goes. Absolutely. And we have a hundred percent pilot conversion rate because once you pilot it, ah. it, it's like, it's a no brainer. It really is. It's really the question of they're already doing this, right? So, oh. you know, this, like, imagine the inner operations of a senior living. If a family member is calling they're going to call, they're going to leave voicemail, they might email if they want information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're already as a staff yep. member yep. doing this. We're just making it 10x easier and faster. Yeah. And everybody is happy and everybody's on the same page and has the same information at the same time. So what problems are you, what challenges are you having? Are you having some scaling problems right now to where you can't, what, what's, what, what are your hurdles? The biggest hurdle is actually that the systems we have in senior care were designed many, many, many years ah, ago. I see. And they are legacy, rigid systems. And it's not the people. This is not a people problem. But as you know, um, in systems thinking, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Yeah. And the results we're getting today are not the results I want when I'm aging. I yeah. want communication and collaboration. And mm -hmm. that is something mm -hmm. that doesn't happen today in a system. Interestingly, what does happen, Steve, is the people, because the people are so incredible, they just work around the system. So I see. Um, yeah, we, we often hear stories of caregivers, and I have this experience as well. Caregivers who love the family so much, and they want the family involved, because they know the family wants these updates, they'll just text message. Yeah. Um, that's not HIPAA compliant. It means that there's no oversight into what they're saying. The mm -hmm. community itself has no idea what the temperament of the family is because they're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the caregiver. Yeah. So it's it's really that puts them at risk, and we're eliminating that risk. Is there super secret patented formulas in this uh, this technology <laughs> that protects you from competitors? I mean, I'm I'm sure. Uh, no matter what you do, I'm sure other companies can launch an app as well. So there's going to be competition or talk to me about that. How do you, how do you deal with that aspect of it? I used to get really angsty about competition. Yeah. And um, the more I have been in the entrepreneurial world, 
the more I have learned from very seasoned entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, competition is a good thing. It means there's a market. Right. If no one else is doing it, right. there's a reason no one else is doing it. Yeah, that's true. Our competitors are actually very new like us. This okay. is not, there are several who are, are, you know, coming into this space. The difference for Serenity is that we are building a network. We're not just building an app. We're building a network. And the mm -hmm. vision that I have is that in the future, when you begin a senior care journey or anywhere along the senior care journey, all the way to hospice and 13 months after where hospice provides bereavement care, mm. you, uh, anyone you meet along the way, you say, give me your serenity ID. Let me add you to this group. Let me share this educational article with you. Let me connect you with that hospice provider. Let me refer you to this senior living. Um, let me add you to my dad's channel because you're his new doctor and mm. I, want, I want you mm. to see. So mm. we're building a network and uh, network market network companies. And this is not marketplace. This is building a market network, mm -hmm. which eventually becomes a marketplace. If you read the nfx.com articles, which I highly recommend, okay. um, they market network companies have the highest defensibility and have driven 70% of the revenue in technology in the last five years. Interesting. Okay. Very good. It, is, is your husband helping you with this full time now, or is he doing another startup on the side? He is now he was at a, a startup in Boulder for a while that was um, data security and privacy. So he's, you know, perfectly ideal for this and he loves what he's doing. And um, he loves not being the CEO for once in his life. <laughs> so he's perfectly happy letting you be the, 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 he's like, yes, please. You be the face of the company. I'm just behind the scenes over here, making sure the website or the, the, the software or whatever the app works. Absolutely. You got it. And how is it working with your husband on a daily basis? What happens is that, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are times when you're like, okay, you're getting on my nerves today. <laughs> I will say that I was the person and anyone who knows me knows this. I was that person who said, I would never work with my husband. We would end up divorced. Absolutely not. We will not do it. Um, all the way up until the day he left his job and, and came full time to serenity. I was saying that. And we finally had to sit down and just really like map out, okay, when we have conflict, what, what are the triggers for the conflict? It's mm. that we're getting into each other's business. Mm -hmm. Okay, how are we going to handle that? What are we going to do? If for some awful reason this doesn't work and we just can't work together, who is going to lead the company and who's going to leave? So we had all of that kind of worked out. Before. Very good. Very What's good. happened, though, is none of that has, has come to fruition. We have just fallen into this beautiful pattern. We are so complementary skill-wise. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's been, I think, one of the most amazing things. So again, I go back to, um, you know, when I was talking about my kids and it shattered my world when they transitioned or came out in yes. the best possible way. This shattered some of my constructs of no, I inflexible thinking of no, I can't work with my husband mm -hmm. and really made it made me open up and say, you know, you can work with anybody and and you can make changes if it doesn't work. The big thing you just been mentioned there is make sure your co-founder complements your skill sets. Right. I mean, if you really that's so critical so that you can have 
some clarity around what they own versus what you own and, you know, plus what you enjoy doing and what they enjoy doing. Uh, yeah. that, that really goes a long way. Okay, very good. So you're moving along. You said you had some angel money, but now you're raising it. What are you calling this round that you're raising right now? You know, everybody's got the fancy terms for the rounds. What are you calling this? Oh, this is such a good question because even the people we're raising from have different definitions. Right, I know. I always, so. I've, I've gotten to the point where I've done so many, I've had so many entrepreneurs on the podcast to where it's almost just funny. I'm like, okay, bottom line is you're raising more cash. It really doesn't matter what you're calling it. <laughs> you don't look at it any other way because, you know, everyone has a different definition. I know. It's clearly an angel. Okay. Round is micro VC. Uh, and by the way, we also just got a, a grant from the Office of Economic Development. So oh, cool. We did invest uh, cash into the company working capital. So wow. very, very excited about that. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. To me, that's also um, validation. Yep. And yep. it's not us sitting here going, this is a good idea. Uh, no, no, no doubt. I mean, that goes in your deck to when you're raising cash. You're like, look, hey, we just got this grant and now, you know, now the investors are even attracted even more. Yeah. Very good. Good for you. Absolutely. Okay. So this round, uh, most people would call it a pre-seed round. Okay. Um, okay. We're between pre-seed and seed. We're kind of a, a tweener. And okay. uh, yeah. So if there's anyone listening to this that is interested in making an impact in the way we all age, because we are all aging mm -hmm. and you want it to look different than it's looking for your parents, come talk to us. And how should they get in ho get a hold of you? What, what do you uh, just go to the website or what, what do you prefer? Um, I'll give you my email address right here. It's Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at serenityengage.com. That's the name of the product, serenityengage.com. Okay. Okay. Very good. Now for anybody that invests, Riderflex gets 10% since you were on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, just <playing. laughs> I'm just joking around. You know, uh, I think what you're doing is really cool. Um, and you've, you've, you've moved pretty quickly here. Um, congratulations. I mean, you're, you're, you have revenue coming in, you have proof of concept, you've got the early angel money, you're already raising some more money. I mean, you're moving right along. Congratulations on the speed you're moving. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I encourage people to go look at something called the ladder of proof. It's also done by, and you can just Google that ladder of proof. It's also mm -hmm. done by nfx.com. Uh, they okay. write some amazing content for startups and entrepreneurs. Um, and ladder of proof is really like, how do you consistently de-risk the business? Ooh. And we're, when I look at that, we're halfway up the ladder. And that's really good for as far as early stage as we are. If you could call the young lady when she was 21 years old, um, coming out of Fort Lewis College, 1988. I love, I love that you put your year on there. I love that. Uh, uh, if you could call her and tell her anything, knowing what you know now at this stage in your life, what would you tell her? Breathe. Breathe. Just breathe. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very relaxed. A little bit. We, we pretty wound up back then. I think I was searching, like many 21-year-olds are, I was searching for who am I? What am I supposed to do? I don't really know, you know, what this world is. You know, we're all adulting. That's the funny thing to say today is hashtag adulting. Uh, um, we were all doing the same thing. We just didn't know it. And we called it something different, which was partying or, you know. Right, right. <laughs> 
you know, I've never met anybody that grew up in Colorado, moved to a different state and didn't come back at some point. It's like almost every single person I've talked to, they go try to live somewhere else and they're like, you know what, actually Colorado's pretty damn good. <laughs> and you know, the thing for me was the the sun. Um, yeah. We have more sunny days than California does. California is right. warmer, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I did not enjoy the dark. And this, you know, when I lived there, it was the late 80s. So it was really high pollution time. Uh, and so it was very gray a lot of the time. They've cleaned so much of that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, last minute uh, or last second uh, advice for entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs listening. Anything you want to tell them here as we get yes. ready to exit? Anything you want to say? Go for it. Two key things. One, find a kick-ass mentor, someone who is going to tell you the things that are hard to hear, um, and you're going to be able to take it from them and listen. And, right. and the second thing is take in all of the conflicting, varying advice that you're going to get from everybody and decide for yourself because everybody's advice is different and based on their experience. And so often it's just conflicting with, with each other and you don't know what to believe. Decide for yourself. You know what you get. It's so true. That's really, the, by the way, that is great advice. It's great to listen. And and by the way, when you're in a startup situation, everybody's going to have advice for you. You know, all your friends, all everybody's going to be family members. Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do this. You should try this. You should try that. Those are all great conversations. And yeah, it's good to listen to them. The reality is, you know, out of a hundred pieces of advice, you're going to get like that, you know, five or six of those are going to be really good that you might implement, but, but it is good to listen because you got to filter through them, like you said, and then trust your gut. It's good yep. advice, Catherine. Very, very good advice. Thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. I enjoyed it. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.